You're listening to 66.6 FM Radio TOVH The Flush Well, hey there, everybody. It's me, Joe Thrash and Kill, and you're listening to another thrilling episode of the Toilet of Hell Radio Show. Joined today, my right-hand man, the Golden Boy. I'm talking, of course, about 365 Days of Horror, as we like to call him, Jordan. Jordan, how are you? I am good. How are you? I am at peace, uh, because uh, we have the Triumvirate today. Triumvirate, is that how you pronounce it? Because uh, we got uh, Breno with us. Breno, how are you? Hi, everybody. I'm sorry to announce that I'm quitting the podcast, but I'm just quiet quitting the podcast, which is not quitting. It's just doing, showing up an acceptable it number just, of times. And it's doing actually just doing the thing, yeah. And uh, sometimes you come in, sometimes you don't, because you have the time allowed to do that. So don't don't be a quiet quitter, everybody. Uh, I would like to go ahead and plug it again. We have a Patreon uh, the bonus show that we just finished recording uh, delves into the origin story of Breno. It's Breno Origins, uh, the diary of a bad kid, uh, where yeah. we really get deep into it and talk about what it was like uh, growing up and choosing violence. <laughs> yeah, if you ever want wonder, like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy, we talk about it that whole show, so... Um, check it out. It's uh, patreon.com slash toilet of hell, and that's an OV for the of, and uh, you'll find bonus content, and uh, it's fantastic. So check it out at least once or twice for a, a month or two, and uh, you know we'll, we, you won't regret it. Yeah, uh, check it out just for one month, and then you know if you would say to forget to cancel, that's acceptable as well. That's totally fine. I do that. I that's do that totally with cool too. Yeah, um, but it's just blend in the background of your bank account, please. It's fine. Uh, we also have the mixtape up this month, uh, focused entirely on Japanese bands, corresponding with that Japanese vacation episode me and Jordan, Jordan took a couple of weeks ago. So, good stuff on there. That being said, we got a new episode here. We got to focus on all of these things uh, coming down the pipeline that folks need to know about. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Um, do we want to talk about the uh, the the Jordan, what is the most nonsensical story to you this week? Oh, there's so many. But, uh, <laughs> I think one of the ones that made me scratch my head the most, and I'll probably need you to explain this one to me, is there was an AI rapper who was signed to a major label who then got kicked off because it was saying slurs and the guy from E-Town Concrete was involved in it somehow? Yeah, this is impenetrable, but we'll do our best. <laughs> um, so this is not the first time uh, some dipshit at a label is like, we're going to create an AI artist. Like, um, there was one that, uh, like a pop star some label put out recently that, like, she has a backstory where she was, like, sexually assaulted. It's like... Why the fuck are you giving these qualities to a robot? Like, this is very uh, disturbing to me that, like, the suits behind this piece of shit thing, that's never going to work out. Nobody actually cares about this shit. Like, we need to give her a backstory where she's been, like, abused. What about that, um, what about that, like, Hazuni Miku or whatever? So that's the exception to the rule. Like, Hatsune Miku, like, in Japan, is, like, a runaway success. And every dipshit here, like, at a, at a label in America wants to copy that so fucking bad, but they don't have any fucking sauce. Their ideas, are, <laughs> their ideas suck, and they can't come up with anything good. <laughs> right, and, and the reason that she works is because she's not an AI. She's like a synthesizer program. Yeah, like you, you hit notes on a keyboard and you you, you put in the Japanese symbols. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, syllables, and she says real words and real sentences because they're able to do that with Japanese word construction. I, I was can't wa- do that here. I was watching a, a YouTube video of a guy that bought a, a Hatsune Miku guitar pedal. <laughs> That's it, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty sick. So yeah, like, but that that the avatar for Hatsune Miku is like a huge, you know, a huge cultural thing uh, in Japan. And here, nobody gives a shit about FN Mika, the fake rapper that Capitol Records put together. So... 
I saw the headlines about this thing and I laughed about it a lot because it was very funny to me. Uh, but then, uh, Jordan, you shared with me that somehow the guy from fucking E-Town Concrete was involved and I could not stop laughing for three days. <laughs> it's it's weird because this thing came up on my radar as this AI rapper is like some green-haired cartoon Fortnite skin. Yeah. And I think the picture that was going around Twitter was of this character being abused by the police. And I just didn't understand what was happening. So, in like that other fake AI pop star thing, this rapper, again, this fictional thing, had a backstory of, like, had been, you know, arrested and abused by the cops. Because these assholes at these labels are like, well, we need to make our robot relatable, so let's make it a uh, our, our a robot victim. black man <laughs> who gets arrested by the police because we understand, like, racial strife and shit like that. So, you know, that's that's asinine, of course. I think we can all agree on that. But what really sends us over the top is that nobody involved with this is, like, not white. <laughs> uh, no, not at all, no. Um, Weird creating these insane backstories. It's like an edgy American girl's doll story, but to sell albums or to get clicks on Spotify. I don't know. Yeah. Like Uh, what if there's an American girl that's like, uh, she, she lived on a plantation and owned slaves. (laughs) Like, let's go ahead and like, just create the edgiest piece of shit we can think of. That'll be huge with the kids. Right. It reminds me, um, years ago, when uh, Hideo Kojima had made a video game and and, uh, one of the video game characters was this lady who was very very scantily clad and then he came up with like a scientific reason in the game for why she's dressed like that because she's like an an amphibian and she needs to take in water through her skin and so all the guys online took that and were like see suck it leftists don't you feel stupid now for complaining? And it's just like, man, he he wrote the narrative. That was his idea that came through that. That's how that happened. It didn't have to be real. <laughs> I I think I I think I had missed that that was the reason why whatever Metal Gear Solid girl that was like was wearing nothing. That's that's kind of awesome though. <laughs> and it wasn't even explained in game at all. It's like something he tweeted out because people are like, why is she dressed like that? Because it's a video game. It was just an, ah, fuck it, here's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Leave me alone. Uh, So, so yeah. yeah. The the guy behind, the vocalist for E-Town Concrete, Anthony Martini, is involved in this virtual rapper named FN Mika, or FN Mika, with brothers Chris and Brandon Lay. It's just L-E, so I don't know if it's Lay or Lay, to kind of... Okay, so I I take it back. That's a... That's a Vietnamese name, so it's okay. The there are there are non-white people working on this, but uh, <laughs> uh, nobody nobody here is. Uh, but tread lightly. Yeah, yeah, nobody here is black. <laughs> so uh, in the PRP, this is written up. The controversy surrounding the digitally created artist began to surface after its August fourteenth signing was announced. It was pointed out that the past FN Mika material utilized racial slurs, the N word, which while not entirely uncommon in the rap world. Martini himself has used the word in past lyrics with E-Town Concrete. It's true. Not particularly, it's true. Was not particularly well received when the ethnicities of the AI rappers, co-creators, was brought to light. A statement uh, issued by Capital Music, which is a real record label, by the way. CMG has severed ties with the FN Mika project effective immediately. We offer our deepest apologies to the black community for insensitivity in signing this project without asking enough questions about equity and the creative process behind it. We thank those who have reached out to us with constructive feedback in the past couple of days. Your input was invaluable as we came to the decision to end our association with the project. Now, again, this isn't a real person. No, this there is are not- people behind it who are creating a backstory and are telling this thing what to do and what to say. So none of this had to happen. None of this yeah. had to, like, I, I, if, the, if I could offer, like, one piece of uh, constructive uh, feedback, it's that nobody wants this AI bullshit. Nobody wants it. No. <laughs> I understand the, the idea behind it where it's very profitable if, like, your thing hits, where people love your, your fake robot bullshit. But it will not happen because nobody likes this shit. 
Uh, w- one thing I can say is that um, this was probably the most completely canceled artist of all time, evident in the fact that you could uninstall him, whereas before that has not been the case. I wish there were some metal artists we could uninstall, but we can't. I, I agree with this. Um, so it says here, like, first of all, like, I would have never guessed that the guy from E-Town Concrete would ever be involved with anything surrounding AI. I got to say that one sent me for a loop. <laughs> you familiar with uh, E-Town Concrete, right, Jordan? Sure. I've seen them a number of times. They were a local band for me. Did they strike um, you I as mean, p- I get- particularly intelligent folks? Uh, I, I wouldn't say they'd be building any rockets anytime soon, but it does make sense from the standpoint of other people creating this saying we need someone. And uh, out of I guess all he's the, been available. Out of all the people in this world that can rap, the guy from fucking E-Town Concrete is who you're going with? I don't know, man. I don't know. got nothing else to do. Uh, there was an interview he did last year with Music Business Worldwide where he kind of talks about creating this rapper. We've developed a proprietary AI technology that analyzes certain popular songs with specified genre and generates recommendations for the various elements of song construction, lyrical content, chords, melody, tempo, sounds, etc. We then combine these elements to create the song. As of now, a human voice performs the vocals, but we are working towards the ability to have a computer come up with and perform its own words and even collaborate with other computers as co-writers. This is... I see this as a warning of where pop music is headed because you know this isn't the only one that's out there um disney has been doing this with actual human people they've been creating and crafting pop stars and guiding them towards superstardom from a very young age now with technology catching up they can even cut that part out and just here is a band that doesn't really exist that we've just algorithmed the hell out of and now you're going to hear wherever you go and you were talking about Hatsune Miko, um, like Vocaloid stuff is going to be the next big thing, I think, in pop music. Because you just download programs and you could just sit in front of your computer and it sounds like someone's singing. And it's very pop friendly and pop oriented. And I think you're just going to get like the next big hit is going to be someone who doesn't really exist. And the fear is that that's going to put even more bands out of business. Obviously there's still going to be desires to see bands live and all this sort of thing, but I don't you know. Rock music has been fading away for a long time. Now you don't even have to find other people to do your stuff. You don't need to practice in a garage. You don't need to hit the road. You could just create a persona in the metaverse, have some, smooth looking weird zuckerberg hybrid thing but because a bunch of zeros and ones were able to come up with the catchy number that's the next star it's very weird and concerning this is a two-part process though and i just the first part is yes you create this technology you create your avatar your Fortnite looking piece of shit that has songs that you algorithmically generate or whatever but the second part i just don't see happening which is people need to buy into it and i have seen zero desire from anybody to 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 want to get into any of this shit like it's this is a this is a a solution being offered with no no appetite for it i, I would counter that with vtubers which is slowly becoming a popular thing of it is regular people but they have a cartoon avatar that's on the screen on twitch or this FN Mika thing. Apparently, he had millions of followers on social media, and I, I think I, I'm gonna generationally, th- I'm going to throw that out there as well. That like get, getting a bunch of followers doesn't necessarily sure. mean anything when you can do that for a couple hundred bucks. Sure, no, I understand that, but uh, I think it's also a generational thing where maybe not our generation we care about, but the younger generation. That I mean, f- how many millions of people play Fortnite and? I, I just being available and being on all sorts of social medias. We know how TikTok works, where someone can be a star overnight for whatever reason. Why not have the juice behind something that doesn't really exist that you can control? Obviously, they didn't do it very well on this one, but uh, something that will never get into actual trouble, will never do some sort of heinous crime, will never dime out other people and uh 
do all sorts of bad things where it's just a proprietary technology that is owned by Warner Brothers. And then, you know, obviously Disney and Discovery and all these other conglomerates, they just have their own pop stars and do whatever they want with them. I think if that's what the biggest options are, with them telling us it's the biggest thing, with their music showing up in commercials for Apple products and cars and whatever else, you know, I think that this is something to be aware of. And if you're one of these bands or one of these artists that are just struggling to make it, to make ends meet, you now have this thing that doesn't even really exist that you have to compete up against. Well, I think, it's I think an interesting it's just, story because it's it's kind of like a to, – to go with your point about control, this situation kind of highlights the canary in the coal mine, right? Like these things sometimes can't be controlled and it, it's kind of an illusion of control when they think, okay, this is an AI. We can make sure that you know this wraps exactly the way we want it to. Come to find that's not the case. It wraps whatever it wants. And how do we know it's not going to reinstall itself in a way to continue wrapping forever? <laughs> Please stop wrapping. Um, a perpetual motion machine for rap i I think this is this is the exact this phenomenon is the exact same thing as the greater economy telling you exactly what it wants and that uh, a huge desire is self-driving cars why because we want to put truckers out of business like if we can eliminate the cost of a human element to ship goods from a to b we will do it in a fucking heartbeat and you know what it hasn't happened because it's much more complicated than people think it really is uh, same thing with like Tesla, like that shit. It's just never going to fucking work. It's never going to fucking work. And I feel the same way about this. Like the market desperately wants this as an answer, but the people just aren't going to give it. That's that's how as I long, see it anyway. As long as there are pedestrians, obstacles, things like that. I don't know. I can't say what's going to happen in 20 years. So much shit happens. I could have never predicted that Teslas would drive this good on their own 20 years ago, but it's still not better somehow than a human being. And it's just like, it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's way more complicated. We'll see where the future takes us, but the future is not taking us anywhere good anymore. I can say that much. And it's not built on the back of the guy from E-Town concrete. No, no, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, definitely true. So we've, we've been on this one for a while. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's, turn the corner here. We got some metal stuff to talk about. Some pure high octane riffs, and guitars that are distorted and scary sounding and a guy yelling in a microphone. We got we got stories about that stuff, right? Yeah, we do. Um, I guess uh, on a personal note, uh, last night I went out on the town uh, and I went to uh, Riley Gale's uh, second annual memorial party. Um, so it was good. A bunch of bands played. Um, there was a Judiciary, which is a hardcore band out of Lubbock that whips a ton of ass. There's Frozen Soul. Everybody knows that band. Um, one of the opening bands was called The Nuclear Daisies. And the best way I can describe this band was, um, you know, that scene in The Crow, uh, where like there's the, the club scene and the ladies like singing and, uh, you know, it's kind of psychedelic nineties rock. Uh, they sounded exactly like that. So I'm excited for this uh, future past of 90s uh, revisionism from the Zoomers. I think that's pretty exciting. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? That band in The Crow? I'm, I remember a it's lot of things in The Crow. I, I, I don't remember that part. I just don't. She looks like Courtney Love, and it's not whole. It's, I, don't, I, I, don't think, I don't think it was a real band. I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, go back and watch The Crow. And then uh, look up this band and tell me what you think. But I, I think uh, I think it's a it's a brave new world for '90s revisionism with the, with the Zoomers specifically. I can't I can't quite make out what they're doing with it, but I, I find it terribly exciting that we're getting another crack at uh, the '90s. <laughs> um, they love it. The kids love it. Uh, also, uh, they raised thirty thousand dollars for um, Dallas Hope Charities, uh, which is uh, not a small chunk of change. So. Very good stuff overall. Um, happy that they're they're continuing to do that, and that uh, people in the DFW are continuing to remember the uh, memory of of Riley Gale, who brought so much to this scene. Um, so uh, there's there's our one bit of positive news uh, for the metal scene. We can move on from here. So remember earlier when the pandemic started, and we didn't really know what was going to happen, and what's going to change, and we're going to be working from home now, and now that that's kind of whittled away, things are relatively back to normal. Like 
like nothing really has changed all that much. Nothing has changed. Even if anything, it's only gotten worse. If it's gotten worse than like even like creatively, there's no like hot new genre. There's we just like took a three year break and picked up right where we left off. Um, and there is no bigger proof to that than pay to play schemes are back when it comes to concerts. Yay. Back in a big way too. This one is, this one's pretty outstanding. Credit to the PRP for sticking on this story for months. Now there was something called the Kentucky irate fest, not the best name for a festival, but here we are. This was going to be taking place at the end of August. Actually, it was supposed to happen today as we record this in Louisville, Kentucky at the MG Prime Entertainment Complex, a three-day metal fest and just a whole bunch of bands on this, but I'll just throw out some of the bigger name bands. Slaughter to Prevail, Impending Doom, The Browning, The Last Ten Seconds of Life, Entheos, Rivers of Nihil, or Nihil, however you pronounce it. Oceano, Barrier Dead, Rose Funeral, who I hope brought their Uno cards with them. <laughs> that there's a throwback for all you people who are on the metal internet in the mid 2010s. Norma Jean, Madball, uh, probably still unvaccinated, Evergreen Terrace, Tala, a whole bunch of bands. So this was for a first time festival, a pretty big deal. Enough real bands spread out over three days. I don't know what the Kentucky scene is like when it comes to metal, but there you go. A big festival for you. And things started to fall apart a couple of weeks ago where a whole bunch of bands had dropped off. And they were like mostly local bands, bands I hadn't really heard of. And, you know, with any type of festival that happens, things change, can't make it, all sorts of stuff. But news started to pour out of unprofessionalism, confusion, uh, not being transparent when it comes to what's happening, poor communication. And a couple of bands started speaking up about this. Uh, band Guerrilla Warfare had said they're not performing at Irate Festival anymore. After too many goofy, passive-aggressive, unprofessional, non-transparent, and immature communications, we no longer wish to be associated with these nerds. They also with tried these to make nerds. <laughs> they also Bunch made the nerds. drop a show with a band called Alpha Wolf. A show we announced after never mentioning a radius clause, which I've mentioned before with some of these big festivals of like why it might be in your general area, but it doesn't come to your town specifically is because a lot of these big festivals are like, well, you can't perform within 200 miles. Be so in order to force people to go to this festival. Um, well, a band called Wake Up in Tsunami also issued that there were stipulations about being booked on this festival. And I saw other bands talk about this as well. They eventually became a Facebook group just about how this was such a shit show. About having to sell tickets, which is a thing that happens at these festivals, but none of these bands were initially told that they had to sell tickets when they signed up for this thing. And in some cases, they were told you had to sell 400 tickets. Who the fuck is selling 400 tickets in Kentucky? And on top of that, the confusion was... Do we personally have to sell 400 tickets? Do all of us have to collectively sell 400 tickets? How do we do this? No one actually gave us physical tickets to sell. Some were told like there was going to be a link provided to them that would have their name attached to it, that they would get credit for selling tickets, and other people like never got the link. So it was this Jesus gigantic, Christ. a gigantic mess of who is doing what, who is in charge. It doesn't really make sense. There's no organization. And from there, it got worse. <laughs> are you telling me that gig promoters are not typically avatars of professionalism? I think there's varying degrees of professionalism when it's your first time festival and you're booking close to like 100 bands that uh, maybe an ounce of being prepared and professionalism and things like that should hopefully be part of it but this is such not, an, this yeah. is such an easy grift how do you fuck it up that bad <laughs> all you gotta do like if you're gonna do the 400 tickets grift right you just be like okay here's fucking print them out make them make sure the tickets are available before you even make people deal with this write a couple emails make it happen i mean for like 400 tickets is insane like I could see you trying to hustle 40 tickets per band 
Like that makes more sense. And, you know, if you don't sell them, the cost comes out, you know, you got to cough up the money. Uh, but like 400 is, um, boy, that's some real wish casting there. I gotta say. It's a lot. A lot of these bands don't even have like 400 listeners. Right. <laughs> if there's going to be a hundred of them on a fucking festival. Right. You know? That's why the go-to is usually like 50 or 25. Yeah. Um, but to make matters worse, there's DMs have started to crop up being posted. And one of these promoters, whoever's behind it, had threatened one of the band members' jobs. Ooh. The band Wake Up in Tsunami had posted a, a DM from one of these people behind the festival saying, I didn't know you worked for Amazon. The guy that owns 5% of our fest and is hosting the fest at his property also owns Louisville Amazon. What a coincidence. I'm sure he wouldn't take too kindly to one of his Amazon employees trying to sabotage his festival over being asked to sell some tickets and actually make an effort to promote as a local. Bro, you can't get caught in 4K like that. <laughs> also, it's Amazon. Yeah, Come on. there's a fucking million employees. Like Everybody gets fired every week and rehired the next week. It doesn't fucking matter. I don't think Jeff Bezos is looking too closely into Kentucky IRA Fest. I just love the way he phrased that, too. I don't think my father, the inventor of the toaster strudel, would appreciate it too much if he knew that you were talking <laughs> shit on my fest. <laughs> and it gets worse. <laughs> uh, after some of this confusion and more stuff came out, more bands dropped off, including Last 10 Seconds of Life, Downswing, Summoning the Lich, who I think are from our area. Uh, Breno, you and I, and for whatever reason, they are playing a festival in Kentucky. And then there were accusations and rape allegations against the vocalist for one of the bands, uh, uh, Ren Young, who was in the band Until the Dead Walk, a uh, vocalist for another band that was playing Serotonin. Melissa George, a band that had been previously booked on the fest, came forward with allegations against Young publicly on Facebook. He claimed that Ren was also an investor of Kentucky I Raid Festival according to a conversation shared by George with one of the festival's organizers. In light of the allegations, um, they had dropped off or had been removed from the festival, as well as a tour that they were going to be on. So there's that grossness. Uh, this guy had denied allegations. Meanwhile, other allegations are piling up from this guy. And um, continuing on, there's just more bands dropping off. Eventually, the whole thing was canceled, and there's just very ugly drama that's very publicly can be seen in the Facebook group for this festival. And it's just, man, <laughs> it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it to play. It ain't worth it to book these things, to promote these things. It ain't worth it to buy tickets for it because people are now saying that they have no way of getting refunds for Incredible. it. Incredible. Fuck. Wow. Huh. Well... If you're the organizer for this, sure, your festival didn't go down. But at the same time, you did hit a quick lick, made a little bit of money from this, and you didn't actually have to do the work. So that is nice. And as someone uh, from the Toad of Hell Facebook group, uh, Jake, had pointed out, this isn't the first time that Louisville Metal Fest have had problems. In 2017, there was the Louisville Death Fest where uh, our friends Artificial Brain were supposed to play and had posted about how like no one was organizing it no one was getting paid the person who put the whole thing together straight up disappeared and someone else who was not involved with the festival like jumped into the fray and tried to organize the thing because bands were already in town and all the stuff was set up and tried to make it work so like the show still happened and people like paid out of their pocket buying merch so these bands could actually have enough gas money to get home so uh yeah if you're thinking of playing louisville maybe don't for a while yeah, what the fuck is going on in Louisville, man? Aside yeah, man, from, like, Kentucky is not the place to play. <laughs> yeah, it's like the whole town is organized by Papa John. Um, wait, what else is in Louisville? No, I'm thinking of Lynchburg. Never mind. Um, I was going to say all the Bible shit there. No, that's that's Lynchburg. I once drove through Kentucky, and that's all I ever needed to do with Kentucky. I went to um, the – what is the fucking um, – goddamn whiskey trail once Kentucky uh, you, Derby? you can tell like you can tell how well good it was because i can't remember yeah i, I did the whiskey trail once to like taste whiskeys in kentucky it was okay is it historical trail like doing the freedom trail in boston or is it just like here's some whiskey 
Uh, I mean, like, there is some history to it in that, like, there's a lot of uh, Prohibition-era lore to Austin. And, like, if you go to the, what is it, the fucking uh, Jack Daniels Distillery, they've they've been there forever making god-awful whiskey, so you can get some history there of god-awful whiskey. <laughs> you, you nod along and then wait for the person to finish speaking, and then you shake your glass a little bit with the ice clinking, saying you need a refill. Yep, that's pretty much it. <laughs> um... Yeah, and uh, you know they got they got Papa John in Louisville. That, that's that's as far as I know uh, what they what they got going over there. Oh, and apparently pay to play scams. So, if you're in Kentucky, you got to do better. You gotta you gotta bring up the spirits of the town by making a fest that works. Yeah, don't bother with FM radio. You're not gonna. There's nothing there. No, no. Crazy preachers. Just wait for Knotfest to buy up your town and have a festival there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's it. And they're, they're setting up franchises all over South America right now with different Knotfests and quietly, not quietly, but just throwing on Pantera just amongst all their other stuff. So yeah, there, the Redemption the, Tour starts in Mexico and Chile and Brazil on Knotfest. Yeah, that's what I was seeing this week is that uh, Pantera was going to be doing uh, Knotfest. I guess the first one I saw was like brazil uh but is it's going to be everywhere across south america yeah they're playing they have a couple of different not fest it's so weird to me not fest just as a concept i know i've talked about this before but just the proprietary name and business behind slipknot is just a bunch of festivals where they get to headline it and then like their own website their own like news site and their own twitch channel and the radio station it's all just under the umbrella of clown yeah, all the employees get paid in Slipknot script. <laughs> they get paid in DVD copies of Officer Down. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, 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 good gig if you can get it, I guess. it's This is the thing keeping Clown afloat. Uh, you know, his he, surely he can't make enough bad decisions that it'll uh, sink him financially if this keeps going on. Um, well... I guess you have the comparison, though, between something tightly run, like Knotfest and expanding versus, you know, these scummy little pay-to-play schemes. Uh, it's just, uh, it's it's depressing that these are the two, two things we have going on. <laughs> and we've talked about all the Carolina Rebellion and Aftershock. Those are all the same festival. Yeah. It's the same thing with Knotfest. It's all essentially the same festival, maybe a couple different local uh, or regional bands that are thrown on to open the thing up, and they just move from town to town. Um, yeah, that's uh, we we need we need a disruptor in the market. Essentially, we got to disrupt the the metal fest uh, economy. We need an AI metal fest in the metalverse. Exactly. That's that's what's going to fix it. They should make an AI uh, festival that generates uh, the price of 400 tickets uh, for each AI-generated metal band and that all that money needs to be uh, directly deposited to my account. If you um, want to go to the festival, you have to grind for 100 yeah. hours in-game. Yeah, it's right. Um, let, yeah, let's create um, a festival within the metaverse or within for, whatever the fuck this is, Fortnite or Minecraft or whatever the shit the kids are doing now. I'm starting to see bands, and this is this makes me so upset. And anyone listening, please, I'm begging you, don't do this. But I'm starting to see bands do the AI AI generated art for their album covers. I fucking stop. I have held my tongue on all of this for long enough. The AI generated art shit is so fucking lame, top to bottom. I fucking hate it. Stop. <laughs> Whoa, swirls and colors. Like, wow, amazing, incredible. Um, it's like, why was Vincent Van Gogh even born? Look at this. I, I hate the AI-generated art. I hate how quirky everyone thinks they are with their, their ideas for AI-generated art. And I hate uh, everything that it's doing, uh, which is to say, like you're saying, Breno, people are just using that instead of actually using... Real art, uh, not a fan of it. Not a fan of the least bit. It's even lame in memes, man. Like the memes aren't even funny. Um, it's like, oh, Hillary, Hillary Clinton on a trail cam. Like, oh my god, oh, I'm laughing. I'm stitches over here. Yeah, you got the whole squad laughing, bro. <laughs> uh, 
I'm screaming, fam. Yeah. I hope she sees this. Well, let's talk about something that actually does have me laughing. Um, there is a character that we have revisited time and time again on this podcast. A real unexpected hero of the show, I would say. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Spencer, is that name familiar to you? Oh, the reason we're in business. Yeah. He, we... Uh, the hardest working band in metal, even though he shouldn't be. <laughs> you mean to tell me? I'm sorry. Go ahead. What do you got to say about Jeremy Spencer? I just wanted to give, gotta... you know, for some reason we have new listeners on this. If you search the tag Jeremy Spencer on the Toilet of Hell website, you'll uncover a wealth of information. I think the primary thing, though, that you're looking for is uh, the episode of this show in which we read his autobiography, uh, which was horrifying. <laughs> I've read a lot of celebrity bios for this show specifically. That was the harshest one. <laughs> um, okay. That aside, you're all caught up now. You've listened to that episode. You're appropriately disturbed. We can go on with the rest of this segment. And now you have to listen to the episode where we go over all nine of his albums with Psychosexual. So I wanted to go ahead and discuss that in this segment, but let's let's jump into it now. Apparently that didn't work. <laughs> putting putting nine albums out on the same day with his psychosexual project, I think he had a some kind of goal in mind that that would accomplish something, and I, I just don't think it did. Now, now let's not get confused, gentlemen. Okay, psychosexual. Um, I mean, I've been Googling it. It doesn't look like it ever existed. There's no psychosexual anywhere. Uh, what there is, though, is a psycho sinner with a Y. Oh, fuck. Um, yeah. So he did psychosexual. He got fucking memed into oblivion. He deleted all of his music off the Internet. And then he came back as psycho sinner, freshly rebranded with nothing really but a different name. And uh, with the same devil daddy costume. Um, the same so differently. Like, Gr yeah. Grim Sinner was Grime Signer. Oh yeah, it's not Devil Daddy anymore. It's Grim Sinner. Grime Signer. Grime Signer. <laughs> uh, yeah, essentially trying to to do ghost, but for people with fetal alcohol disorder. Uh, and it, I'm gonna edit that out. That was not. That's not uh, nice. Please don't edit that out. <laughs> I'm gonna edit that out. Uh, anyway, uh, it didn't it didn't really work. I don't think he found his target audience with it. Ghost uh, for people with blue line stickers in the back of their pickup trucks. That's probably that's probably a nicer thing to say. Yes. And um, gonorrhea. <laughs> um. So yeah, it, that the marketing blitz he did. Um, I guess it didn't work out because here he is with a different project now. It appears that he is abandoned for the moment anyway. All of the Psycho Center grime signer shit. I went on a – while you were talking, I went to um, the Psycho Center uh, verified artist Spotify page to see what his metrics are looking like. He's doing a little better than I thought he would. Um, Devil from Hell did have 599 overall – that like 599,000 streams overall. Overall, it's curiosity listens. Curiosity listens, absolutely. Um, but I how, mean, how, how, how many compare, years has it been? Well, how does that compare to the other ones on there? Can you see like, is that one just head and shoulders above the other ones? The other ones have like a thousand listens or something. Well, yeah. <laughs> so like, I just called to say I hate you, which was a great <laughs> album. That's like eleven thousand. Uh, Lady Killer has one hundred forty thousand. Unholy is sixty six thousand. I mean, these are pretty good if you're like a popular band camp kind of a band. Yeah. Um, this is definitely not where he wants to be at coming fresh off of Five Finger Death Punch. You know what I mean? Not at all. These are these are grand financial failures to him. Yeah. I mean, when you put it in that way, like it does make sense going from what is unquestionably the most successful current quote-unquote metal band, that we're not going to get into it right now, but yes, the most successful current one uh, to that, that's probably that probably burns a little bit. Yeah, it's rough. He probably thought he really had a, you know, a gimmick that would work, because um, he's you know, he's got the pedigree coming from a band like that. Um, he can rip off Ghost, which is highly successful, and be where he's at now, which is unsuccessful. It's great. Everybody's happy. The one band to come out of the pandemic and it's these guys. <laughs> <laughs> fucking for real dude okay so we didn't do what we what we set out to accomplish with that band 
maybe we need to to recalibrate, reconfigure. What do we have here? What do we back to our roots? Yeah. What, what do we have coming out of the pipeline here? He's spreading his devil daddy wings and has a new band called Semi Rotted. And these are their words. They are old school death metal. Uh huh. Wow. Now, <laughs> uh, we we know what old school death metal is. Uh, lots of our listeners and you guys listen to some form of it, like some band of it. We could throw out a whole bunch of names. This is not old school death metal. This is not old school death metal. I am a little tickled by this in that I have to assume he did it uh, as a larf, like to, to kind of <laughs> poke at people who actually care about this kind of thing. <laughs> And the band has a new EP coming out, or it might already be out. It's out. Deader than, deader than dead. Which I mean, goddamn, dude. <laughs> get a, a thesaurus. Get some synonyms. How many psychosexual songs had dead in it? At least half of them. And they have a new video for the song "Torture Congregation" featuring Will Ramos of Lorna Shore. And I have the PR email for this and. God bless the PR person who has to write this stuff. Forged in flames and baptized in blood and blast beats, semi-rotted embody the blackened heart of tried-and-true old-school death metal, yet kick-started for another generation with a guttural groove of their own. The Las Vegas Nevada Band, Jeremy Spencer, Sean McGee, Alessandro A.P. Paveri, and Steve Carey, exercise the extreme sound of their own on their 2022 independent debut EP, Deader Than Dead. Today, the band has shared the video of their debut single, Torture Congregation, featuring Lorna Shore vocalist Will Ramos. Quote, I kept hearing Lorna Shore on liquid metal and on playlists, Spencer recalls. Will does really unique things with his voice. It's amazing. When they were in Las Vegas, I went to the show and I was blown away. We reached out and Will spent... Uh, Will sent back his vocal in like two days. He's at the top of a genre. He's a killer collaboration. Spencer first embraced the genre back in high school. Mm-hmm. He graduated. I, I swear this is what it says. Mm-hmm. He graduated from Slayer to the likes of Death and Obituary. After catching the latter on tour with Sacred Reich, he recalled, I never seen anything like it, but it was fucking awesome. Of course, Spencer went on to showcase his prowess behind the kit on a series of platinum releases and sold-out arena tours with a chart-topping juggernaut Five-Finger Death Punch. But he arrived full circle with extreme music in 2022. At the top of the year, he embraced the genre wholeheartedly once more. He furiously collected vinyl from the likes of Mortician, Cemetery Lust, and many others. Every morning, he would blare death metal favorites as he drank coffee and poured over the lyrics. I became a fan all over again, he goes on. I decided I'm going to do a record like this. I think we should all have as much confidence as Jeremy Spencer has. Well, I I tend to disagree about the confidence part. It sounds like there was some some sort of uh, revisionist history going on in that uh, PR. You know what I'm saying? Like someone was glazed over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that's correct. Also, I read his fucking autobiography where he spends several chapters talking about the kind of music he liked as a kid. Would it surprise you that death metal never once made an appearance? I'm glad that Jeremy Spencer put out this press release because we finally know who the target listener for liquid metal is. Him. That's him. Oh man, it's it really is. And do we do we have the? Are we going to play a clip on the show of, of what this actually sounds like? Yeah, oh, fuck it. Let's listen to uh, let's listen to some city semi semi rotted right now. Here you go. This guy can't do death metal vocals, can he? Like, at all. It's got to be just like... He's, he's getting a lot of help. A lot of help. Do you guys... Um, and it's funny we brought up Limp Bizkit because this is something I bring up probably once a year. But you guys remember Big Dumb Face, right? The project by Wes Borland? Yes. Yeah. Post Limp Bizkit. He had some kind of like death metal vocals, but it really wasn't. It was just like 
maybe a little harsh, but it was mostly like synthesized, reverbed, like monster. Yeah, pitch shifted, kind of like monster voice. That's essentially what's happening here. <laughs> yes. I mean, he definitely has help with the psychosexual stuff, too. So, again, like a with, lot of help. Psycho- with psychosexual, the question was, who is this for? I feel the same way about this band, too. Who is this for? There are so many death metal bands right now. There are so many old school death metal bands. They are all a lot better than this. So why? I think this is um, this is for people. Uh, one guy, essentially, it's for one guy who so badly wants to be respected by uh, the scene he thinks he's part of and is just trying anything he possibly can to gain that respect really without any of the premise of what's really good about the metal music that he he listens to. He just simply can't recreate it, no matter how hard he tries. He thinks he has the sauce. He, he, he's read the, the, the recipes online for how to make his own Chipotle. For some reason, the burrito just ain't coming out quite right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I, I, he really did just get about as lucky as you can get as a musician playing drums for Five Finger Death Punch, in which, you know, you're not really doing anything outside of the norm with rock and roll. Like uh, you're not you're not having to to learn to blast, right? <laughs> so, and maybe he could. Maybe, maybe he, could. he was a perfectly fine drummer. I, I never questioned his ability to count to four. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing the fact that he can make so many songs in one go, probably counting higher than that was essential. But this guy is just, um, just such an objective failure in every regard. (laughs) Everything he does. And he doesn't, he doesn't have to be, he can be a drummer for a new Dave Ellison project tomorrow. If he wanted to. Sure. Sure. But he is just not, he's not the guy. He's not ever going to be the guy. He's not going to come out with a hit band. It can't happen. He doesn't yeah. have the ability. He's a, squ- he's he's a square just, he peg to trying to fit into a round hole. Like it's just, he wants to, he wants to be the front man. Yeah. And it's just, he doesn't have it. And it's not stopping him from trying. Yeah. Ivan Moody didn't have it either, but he, five figure death bunch is just one of those bands that's successful anyway. It's like we're talking about how they're getting rid of Dodge Chargers and Challengers now. They just they needed something to show the in in the recruitment slideshow and Five Finger Death Punch shows was probably one of the perks. I kind of can't believe they're getting rid of those cars, by the way. Like, (laughs) well, they're not. They're just electrifying them. Oh, okay. This is this is still going to be disastrous to military yeah. recruiting like this is yeah. gonna be a huge disaster they, they I, I literally saw the concept for like an electric challenger this morning like they're not going anywhere they're just not like the muscle gas-powered cars of yesteryear anymore yeah i mean i understand like why why they would do that i think it's probably good i don't know electric vehicles probably need to weigh a lot less to be worthwhile in my opinion but at the same time, if you're the kind of guy who's willing to go to a foreign country and murder children for, uh, you know, a charger, don't you want the one that belches out fucking methane clouds? <laughs> well, absolutely. But as a as a guy who uh, got into car guy internet a little too much, I can tell you that like electric vehicles are just absolutely spanking every gas powered vehicle right now. Really, you can't beat them. Huh. The the Tesla the Tesla Model S. Uh, specifically the Plaid edition is faster than every gas powered supercar by a lot because it's just pure torque and the thing just goes. I Um, just saw a a post on Twitter about that Plaid. Someone's grandfather getting locked in as it catches on fire. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's because it's like such the car is just inherently unsafe to be operated by human hands. It is too fucking fast to be a production model, but they cannot build a car with a combustion engine that's that fast. They can't do it. So now everybody's giving up, and they're going back to the drawing board, and they're going electric. Gotcha. Uh, and in the same way, in the same way, um, here we have a guy, Jeremy Spencer, who just keeps trying to make the old diesel fuel shit. He just keeps going back to combustion engine shit, and we're just not here anymore as a as a culture. It's over. You can't you can't just make a death metal band and be famous enough to make it cool. It just doesn't work that way. It's not going to happen. Ask Phil Anselmo. As, as, a, as a car guy, 
sorry to bring back the subject here, but how soon is it in the pipeline anywhere that I could get, say, a 1997 Tacoma just electrified? Yeah. I mean, no, you can't. I don't think you can convert these things. Damn. Um, I don't think it's like, you know, a, an LTZ swap kind of a thing. You can't just you can't just drop an electric motor in a combustion vehicle. I mean, fuck, I'm sure you can do anything. It, it, it's but it's, you know, it's not happening, man. You got a 97 Tacoma. You want someone electric. You pretty much just have to trade it in for scrap. God damn it. OK, All right. start fresh. Um, starting fresh is a good idea. That's what Jeremy Spencer keeps doing. Um, and Hey man, I read, I read some really great inspirational stuff this morning that said, uh, you don't have to be good at your hobby. Just have fun. As long as you're um, having fun, that's good. But you know, like a part of that is like, if you're having fun with your hobby, you don't have to send out a press release about it. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I'd say most of the problems people have is when they send out a press release. You got me there. You got me there. Um, yeah, that's why that that's probably one of my main issues with PR is like obviously if if, if you got something and you know you got the sauce, it's pretty much the next level. But uh, most of these guys they don't have the sauce, and Jeremy Spencer certainly doesn't either. Uh, he just has a lot of money to throw at it, and it, it, I I'm I'm so stunned. I'm so stunned that like someone who has limitless funds to throw at his next creative project isn't like getting at least a bad wolf status in terms of like popularity. Well, I think the problem is that he, uh, he's got AD, ADHD with this and that he can focus on one thing only for a small amount of time. Like he must've been on heroic doses of Vivance, put out nine albums with grime signer. Uh, when he did the, like, remember he did the, um, the horror soft core horror porno, uh, things put maybe like 15 minutes of effort into those. He's just got to stick with something, you know? Well, the problem is that he's looking to recreate the Five Finger Death Punch success with all of these projects. Uh, so when he's not he, like, like blowing up at the top of it, like he's like, ah, oh, you got to do something else. Exactly. That's that's literally what's happening here. So you got him putting out um, the Psycho Sinner stuff. You got him putting out the psych- like the psychosexual stuff. Everybody laughed him off the Internet. So he thought he could bring it back and be, you know, well, this time I'll be cool and badass and, and not be like overly sexual. You know, that that was the problem the first time. Um, but he, he just doesn't understand fundamentally what the issue is with his music. Oh, I think that, I think that makes sense. Um, Jordo, do you have, uh, closing thoughts on our Jeremy Spencer boy? Never stop. (laughs) As, As long as you keep doing stuff, we will have things to talk about and they are fun, lighter things instead of what we are probably going to have to talk about next week. We are the haters that will make you famous. It's us. We're, we're those guys? Yeah, we're haters. Uh, I always suspect as much. This. <laughs> it's like when I'm Charlie Benanti... Inter- I'm too entertained to hate this. It's like when Charlie Benanti uh, you know, spoke out against people who were naysaying the Pantera reunion, and he's just like, it's simple. Don't come. And it's like, I, I wasn't going yeah, to. Yeah, I was not planning on it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! I you mean I can't go and 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 fight for parking for two hours? Oh, shit! Now what? Uh, yeah, I, I, Jordan and I talked about this for a while, but like, how cheap do these tickets have to be for us to consider going? And the answer is, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> really, anything above twenty dollars is no go. Exact. That, that's the exact number. <laughs> yeah, so, um, all right. Well, we can move on. Uh, do we have anything else we want to talk about this week? Uh, I mean, are there things we can talk about, or do we want to like maybe not end the show with a massive bummer? Um, I mean, very quickly we can acknowledge the uh, the whole incident with the, the neurosis uh, member, but I, I get that it's a bummer, and I get that there's like a whole set of paragraphs that we could dramatically read but it's such a drag man (laughs) yeah the whole thing is such a drag it's such a it's such a hard thing it's like a guy who has done so much damage to like his friends and loved ones like just trying to take accountability for it like there's really no laughing or smiling to be had there yeah i mean like the headline here is scott kelly is retired from music uh due to I don't know exactly what did it, but him realizing that he spent the last God knows how many decades 
really fucking up the people that love him up love him the most. Um, I think that this is something that it could be relevant for a larger discussion about something that we have talked about a lot, in that how you know even a trifling amount of fame within a scene makes people act out their worst impulses. Uh, and it seems to be that's definitely the case with Scott here. I mean, like, uh, fuck, I saw uh, yesterday the dipshit from uh, Arcade Fire, like, made some kind of statement about how, uh, you know, he might have uh, might have had uh, dozens of, you know, uh, untoward relationships over the past years due to his success with that band. It's like, well, that band's actually successful. Uh, just imagine what's going on with you know the guys who are the you know the biggest in your micro scene. It's, it's yeah. depressing. And like neurosis is a name a lot of us know, but you know we're underground metal weirdos. So it, if you go around, of course, it's like I always say: if I go around and I, I tell people about Arcade Fire, I'd have a lot better chances getting somebody who knows them than yes. say like a neurosis or that's, Scott Kelly. Or that's whatever. what I'm trying to say. I've seen neurosis a few yeah. times. They've always been yeah. huge crowds, but again, it's not like, not like the crowd you would get at say an arcade fire show. No, of course not. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I, I definitely have complicated feelings about the Scott Kelly thing. Cause it's like, um, you taking accountability and apologizing doesn't mean those things didn't happen and you didn't act that way. And, you know, I, I, I'm a firm believer as somebody who, you know, deals with my fair share of mental health issues and my fair share of breakdowns that like mental health is never an excuse for abuse. And, um, that's the thing about people who abuse others is that of course, something's not right up there. I mean, the prison system is full of people that aren't right in the head, but it's like, they you can't do horrible things in the name of it, you know. So it's it's a complicated issue, you know, and uh, it's it's messy all around. It's messy all around, and the way that we have structured all of this is that you know you're kind of rewarded uh, for virtue of being in a band, and you people will let you kind of get away with anything, and that's that's not a great way of going about things. No, right. And I see a lot of like a lot more forgiveness in his case than a lot of people because he's he's owning up to it. But then again, we're, you know, we we have a bias in forgiving him because we want to continue to listen to Neurosis without having any sort of issue with that, you know? Yeah. Because they're a great band and a lot of people like them. And a lot of people like the music and they don't want to feel shitty about continuing to enjoy what you enjoy. And and we get back into the old art versus artist conversation again. And, you know, we can spin our wheels on that as much as we want. But it's like, you know, um, sometimes the best thing to say in these cases is nothing at all. And I see a lot of talking. I, th- I think that there is still um, a greater, like a larger piece that can be made out of this. Just looking at yeah, dozens and dozens and dozens of examples of this exact same thing and trying to to detail why it is that, um, you know, success in the entertainment sphere uh, seems to uh, either reward people that have this in them or bring out the worst in people. And I'm not really sure what it is. Yeah, and I mean, you kind of have to question at the same time, like, would Scott Kelly have been exactly this guy if he was just a truck driver for <laughs> for his life? You know, like, he... It being famous does is not really the prerequisite for you know being a bad person. Like he could have very just as easily had these issues and took them out on the people close to him, regardless of his situation. And of course, like if you have these problems, um, stress is certainly not helpful to those problems. But and it's very stressful to be in a situation where a lot of people rely on you for entertainment. It's it's just very stressful, which is why. We melt down so much with our very popular podcast show. Yeah, but I, I think our saving grace is my saving grace. I don't want to speak for you guys. Is uh, I'm not in any danger of suddenly becoming very popular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Jordan. I mean, you you've kind of saw what was going on and you saw the headlines and everything. What what do you uh, what's your takeaway? What's what do you have to say about it? Whenever I see something like this from celebrity, musician, sports star, whoever who lays out a long preamble 
um, admitting to things or confessing to things, it makes me concerned, fearful that a bigger story is going to come out. And they're just trying to get ahead of it now and uh, win over hearts and minds by being very uh, apologetic about this thing that we don't know about yet. So we're kind of now in the what else is going to come out uh, part of the story. Hmm. One thing I can and I I agree with that totally. Um, But it's like, uh, I mean, what don't we know? Shit like this guy got so into it talking about how it's like, yeah, I I purposefully made sure my kids didn't go to school and my wife couldn't leave the house so that I could have complete control over them. Just like the most unhinged way to be. He, he like, he got into a lot of detail and, uh, he did. um, He didn't. He didn't. Yeah. I I guess you need to, you need to hear from those people because right now we're just getting his story where he is again, apologetic and, Saying, yeah. well, I did these bad things and it's, you know, I've had mental health issues. I've had drug problem issues and we're trying to get better and all that stuff, which, uh, I mean, I guess is good than trying is better than trying to deny everything. But, uh, you know, it's one side of the story right now. And who knows what the catalyst was or the reasoning for talking about it now? Yeah, but I, th- I think the, the major head line in all this is that um he's quitting music as a result of how he's been in his behavior and, and what it's doing to him and so now it's like okay the work needs to be done and things like that outside of being in the public eye so what does that spell for the band i mean is is neurosis gonna hang it up are they gonna quit um it's so i i think a lot of people i mean it, it's it's kind of it might as well be a that neurosis is over for a lot of people because like I said, um, some people have a moral compass when it comes to like what they listen to and and that's subjective for everybody. And I mean, I think a lot of people are probably going to hang it up with neurosis because of this anyway, even if they decide to make music or not. So I don't know. Um, it's a bummer anyway. You can't get away from that. It's a bummer. Yeah. I I don't even know what to say on this one. Uh, it wasn't in my head uh, before uh, Jordan said it, but now I am like, oh, God, yeah, the other shoe is going to drop. There's other shirt. shit, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh. Well, and who knows? I mean, this guy came out and this is something he said that he pretended that he was hearing voices and he was having like hallucinations and stuff in order to like gain people's sympathy so that he could continue to act the way he was acting. Yeah, that's pretty fucking Pretty fucking wild. That's so wild. That's beyond anything. And it's like kind of inherent that you're very mentally ill if you think that that's like a viable option as an adult to act that way. It's like, oh, it's crazy. Um, if anyone, you know, the Facebook comment section, I mean, I mean, the Facebook uh, post that he made is still up um, and it's all over outlets and everything. We don't want to read it out loud because it's long, but it's out there. It's definitely worth the read because holy shit. Let's um, let's maybe wrap things up for today then, uh, rather than continue down this long, depressing thread. <laughs> yeah, man, just be good to the people you love. You know, yeah. just um, be be good, be good to each other, be good to your friends, your family. Try not to, you know, take it out on them. There's a lot of things wrong with life. There's a lot of things that are hard and difficult and stressful for you. But uh, you know, those people are your sanctuary. They're there for you. They're on your team. So, so treat them that way. That, that's all I could say about that. Um, Jordo, anything else we should tack on to this one? I think that's enough for one show. Well, folks, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we're on the Patreon. We're on the Spotify. We're on the, the iTunes. We're everywhere. You know, listen to it. Tell other people to listen to it. Give us money. And we'll see you next time. All right, Cube Metal Bros, we'll see you next week. Bye.
You're listening to 66.6 FM, Radio TOVH, The Flush.